We are starting the study of the book of Acts, and oh, am I glad we are doing this book. It's a powerful book. It's, it's really filled with uh, so much um, that we can learn. It contains the early church, the first church that ever existed, and we're just going to spend time to study this book. Now, we're going to do it a bit differently. I know us guys are used to having a study, uh, having uh, we, we do it in a month, but this one we're just going to take our time, just like we've taken time this morning. We're going to take a full four months slowly studying the book of Acts. And our intention is that we would get as much of the truth uh, in God's word as, as we can get. Now, we cannot exhaust it uh, completely, but we will try as much as we can. And so on that note, because the task at hand is heavy and is big, I'd like to invite you just to pray for the preachers. Everyone who will come up to share God's word, just please pray for them. Play, pray, hey, play. Pray for all of us that we will not play with God's word, but rather that uh, we will preach what is only from God's mouth. Not what is our own, but only what is of God. Will you pray for the preachers? Amen. Please also help me pray for the congregation, for yourself and for all of us, that as we'll be sitting down listening to God's word, we will grasp and get what God wants for us, that nothing will be a distraction to us, that God allowing us will be present for all the four, four different months as we go through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, just to exposit God's word. And so something else we will do when we go through uh, the word of God is that we will have a reading of the text that we are studying on that day. And so before, if it's a chapter we are covering on that day, we will read it before we study it. If it's four chapters, we will do that. If it's 11 verses like today, we will do that. And so allow me to invite Redemptor, uh, who is representing the crew e-group. And she will help us, yeah, crew peoples. She will help me read the verses that we are studying today, and that is Acts chapter 1 from verses 1 to 11. So if you have your Bible, please turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, you can turn to the screen and it will be projected. Acts chapter 1 from verses 1 to 11. Karibu Redemptor. Good morning, church. So let's read the word of God. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. If you there already, raise your hand. Okay, let's read. In the first book, all the Ophelas, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, from John baptized with water, but with the baptized but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him to the, out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much for reading for us God's word. So, as we start studying these first 11 verses of this book, I'd like to start by raising a question to us. The book is titled The Acts of Apostles, and I put a question mark there and say, Really? Yeah. But I, I do raise a question and say, Really, the Acts of Apostles? Why the Acts of Apostles? And the reason I raise this question is so simple. I have done a bit of research, I've listened to uh, different scholars, different Bible expositors, and each one I listen to has, has a different thought on what this book should be called. Remember, as Luke wrote this book, he did not put this title. This title was added way much later. And a guy I love listening to, John Corson, says that it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because as we have read, Jesus is telling the, uh, the disciples in chapter 1 that you need to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Chapter 2, we get to see how the Holy Spirit came upon 120 uh, disciples who are gathering together worshipping like we are gathering here. And the rest of the book, we get to see what the Holy Spirit does throughout the book. And so he thinks we should call the book the Acts of the Holy Spirit. A different gentleman called David Poston that I, I love listening to says that we should call the book The Acts of Jesus Christ. And this is why he thinks uh, we should call it that way. As Luke starts this book, he says that, Oh dear Theophilus, I had started telling you about what Jesus had started teaching and had started doing. And so in essence, he's saying, okay, I am continuing this story. I'm, I'm continuing telling you about what Jesus has already said and has done. So we are continuing the story. But then he also adds something else and says that we are the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. And Christ is the head of that body. And so anything the church does will be understood as this is what Christ is doing because we are the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. For example, if, if uh, perchance you slap somebody else, will we say your body slapped that person or will we say you slapped them? And so he thinks of it that way and says, it's, yes, the church is the body of Christ and this is how the church began and how the church continued. Therefore, it should be called the Acts of Jesus Christ. Now, I do not know what you will pick, but one thing I pick out of this simple conversation is that we need to be very careful what we do as the church and as individuals because we are not representing ourselves. Rather, we are representing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'll say that again. We need to be very careful what we do as, as the church 
and as individuals because we are not representing ourselves. Rather, we are representing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you are at your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, whatever it is that you do, because you belong to Christ, you are his ambassador. And it could be that you are the only Bible that somebody will ever read. And they will say, oh, this is how Christ behaves because you are representing Christ. That's one thing I pick out from that debate between uh, <laughs> Acts being the Acts of the Holy Spirit and Acts of Jesus Christ. You could call it the Acts of God or whichever way you call it. We will study together and we will get God's word out of it. Imagine with me for a, a moment, eh? imagine you can cook, for those who can't cook, imagine you can cook. So you cooked a very sumptuous meal, you, 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 you made eh? a sweet and sour chicken, beautiful, sweet, and you presented it to your family. And they enjoyed it, they ate it, they were like, can we have more? And they really loved it. And imagine with me that after they finished eating, they started thanking the dish that contained the hot and sweet chicken and told the dish, oh dish, you are wonderful and you are marvelous. You have served us with a very beautiful meal. How would you feel as an individual, as the one who cooks that meal? How would you feel? A high quality rhetorical question. Sorry. How would you feel? Okay, let's push it a bit further. Imagine the dish could talk. And then the dish, after being told that, the dish is like, hey, Maze, Maze, I've had years of experience, man. You should, yeah? you, should, you should know how hard I have worked to be clean and to have this beautiful, sweet, and sour chicken. Maze, even, even don't mention it. It's, it's, my, it's my weakness. It's my weakness. And, and you hear the dish saying that. And imagine that, that dish talking to the dish that had rice and selling the dish that had rice. Maze, you should come for notes, eh? come for mentorship sessions so that you know how, how to have beautiful things within yourself. And it is so sad because that is exactly what we do as believers. God does so much through us. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with our experience. But here we are. Ah, Maze, you come for mentorship sessions. And we're here taking God's glory. You may be wondering why, why am I talking about all this yet? Uh, it has nothing to do with the first 11 verses. I'm just talking about the, the, the title of the book, The Acts of the Apostles. And what these two guys were saying is that let's just the glory go to God, not to the apostles. It's not really about what the apostles did, but about what God did through them. Would you always be very keen to give God the glory? Amen? When you are patted on the back for being so excellent at work, or in parenting, or in school, or in business, or in preaching, remember it was only by God's enablement. It had nothing to do with you. Imagine here ni title ya kitabu peke yake. Tunaanza kuisoma. And 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 that's why I was asking us just to pray for the different preachers because if this is the title what about the content of the book? So let's leave the title. Let's go to the author. The author of this book is called Luke. And I'm excited because it's Luke who wrote this book. And I will explain to you in a moment why it is so significant to me why Luke wrote this book. Number 1, Luke was a doctor. 
He was a man of science. Now, if you have ever had a conversation with anyone who studied medicine, or if you studied medicine here, you know that during the exams, eh, you, are, you either get a wrong, uh, sorry, you either get a tick, a correct, or a negative. You don't just get a wrong. It's either a correct mark, one mark, or a negative mark. So if you fail a particular question, you are deducted the marks. So the, the doctors are very keen because you can't play with human, uh, human life and, and all these things. So they have to have it right. So I'm assuming that Luke wrote a very accurate letter to us. He didn't just play or mince with the words. Anyone he quoted, he quoted accurately, I'm assuming so. Not only that, um, but also him being a doctor tells me something. That God can use anyone. You know, sometimes you say, okay, I'm not the pastor, I'm not going to preach, I'm not in the worship team, I'm not going to sing, I'm not going to lead us in prayer like Marvin did. And you say, how is God going to use me? The first thing I learned uh, from the fact that Luke wrote this book is that God can use me even though I am not a pastor. God places us in situations and in places so that we can be his hands and feet. In whatever situation that you are in, in whatever profession that you are in, it could be that you are a doctor like Luke, it could be that you are a teacher, it could be that you are a farmer, it could be that you are a pharmacist, it could be that you are, you are, a, you are an engineer, you are a driver, whatever profession that you do, God has placed you there strategically so that you can be his hands and his feet, just like he placed Dr. Luke in his profession so that he could be the one through whom we get this letter today. Don't look at the fact that maybe you are a teacher and say, okay, how can I serve God in this space? But before I belabor, I belabor the point, let me move on. Simumelewa your part. Sin is simple. Ah, let's move on. The second thing about Luke is that he was a Gentile. He is the only Gentile who wrote the Bible, or rather part of the Bible. He is the only one. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, all of them were Jews. Now, if I was given an opportunity to select those people who would write the Bible, I would not have selected Dr. Luke. I would have considered one of the other apostles who did not write a book. I would have considered those people who spent all their time with Jesus. Luke was a Gentile. And one thing I learned from the fact that God allowed him to write not only one, but two very significant books, Luke, the Gospel, and the Acts, uh, I will not add to that, I'll just say and the acts. For me, it is encouraging because God will use anyone regardless of their family background, regardless of their status, their education, their past sins, if only they yield to him and allow him to use them. God can use you. It doesn't matter where you come from, the education you have. It doesn't matter. You are just a dish, eh? It's not about you, sorry. Sidiwatukana. I was just using the illustration. It's just the dish. Eh? The only thing is, are you available? Are you willing to yield to him and to allow him to use you? Praise the Lord. Yeah. That's halfway of the sermon, and we have talked about the title of the book and the author of the book. Let's talk about the audience of the book. He writes to this gentleman called Theophilus. And Theophilus means a lover of God or one who is loved by God. The translators are not really sure which is which. So they say it, it, it could mean a lover of God or one who is loved by God. But either way, uh, let's just leave that at that. 
this Theophilus guy is said to be a high-ranking Roman official. And this is the reason why it is said that he's a high-ranking Roman official. As he writes the book of Luke, he says this in Luke chapter 1, verses 3. He says, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. You know the way we call our leaders your, your, your excellency uh, in the courts, my lord or your majesty, is the same way the word most excellent was used. And so, kuna kitu nimesema nyesiyo mzuri? Oh, sorry. <laughs> and so, as, as, as Luke is saying most excellent Theophilus, he's, he's referring to him as somebody who is honorable, somebody who is an excellency. So, it's, uh, the, the, the scholars have kind of concluded that this must have been a high-ranking Roman official. And the other th reason why uh, they think he's a high-ranking Roman official is because they assume that Luke is writing as a possible defense for Paul while he's in prison. And we'll get to know Paul's story as we study this book. So Paul, at some point, is arrested, and he's, uh, he's taken all the way to Rome to answer for uh, why he's been arrested, because he appealed to the highest court in the Roman land, which is appealing to Caesar. We'll get to see that. But when he's in Rome, you see, the Romans don't understand this, this new religion. They don't understand what Paul has done before. So uh, Luke must have written these two books, both Luke and Acts, to explain to the Roman judges that this is what this gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. This is what Paul has done all through. So that as they are passing judgment, they have a clear understanding of what Paul has been preaching and who Paul is. Now, as you read both the book of Luke and the book of Acts, you will realize that Luke is very clear in how he portrays the Romans. He portrays them as very sympathetic to the gospel. He portrays them as actually loving it, and some of them actually come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is trying to paint a picture that Romans, you do not have to fear about this religion or what Paul is preaching. It is harmless. It will not harm you. Actually, it will give you life. Now, before you stone me for not going through uh, what, I had, uh, what we had read before, let me just go into verses 1 to verses 11, and that will be our time together, and we'll have a wonderful week after that. This is a letter that Paul, sorry, that Luke writes, he writes it to Theophilus, to Honorable Theophilus. So imagine with me for a moment that phones existed at that point. Eh? Imagine click on a simu. So, uh, and imagine that the first 11 verses were a phone conversation. So, uh, imagine, uh, oh, for those who do not know, this is my wife. I'm not just calling anyone, babe. <laughs> Oh, whoever has a phone, please pass it to me. Thank you. Sent. So let's imagine for a minute that Luke, Dr. Luke picks up his phone and he's calling Theophilus and he's having this conversion between verses 1 and verses 11. And I'm assuming this conversion would have gone something like this. Hey, Moshimi wa Theophilus. Today is the first day. Don't worry, first day in a kwangangumu. So 
so this conversation in Ndahivi. Uh, Theophilus, uh, how are you doing? Uh, Theophilus on the other end is like, I'm good, I'm good. Things are going on well. Ukurom, things are just uh, moving on. Well, under pressure. So Dr. Luke is like, eh, you remember the first letter I wrote to you about the things that Jesus started doing and he started teaching? You remember? Theophilus is like, yeah, I remember. I read it. It was a nice read. It was interesting, man. That guy, that guy. Eh, he died, he resurrected, and all that. So Paul is, not Paul, Luke is like, ah, okay, sour. Eh, if you love the first one, I have a second volume for you. It's right here. Uh, and it's going to tell you a bit more about this Jesus and all he's all about and the things that he will continue to do. And uh, Theophilus is like, eh, so he died, he's, he resurrected, so he's going to stay on earth and, and, and he will keep on doing these things. And Dr. Luke is like, no, 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 he's not going to do it himself. No, he's going to do it through a people who are called the church and, and he's going to do all these things through him. Uh, through, through these people called the church. And he's like, okay. Theophilus is like, okay, Sawa, the church. These people must be perfect. These people must know everything. These people must be really knowledgeable. They never do any wrong. And Dr. Luke is like, ah, no, they're not perfect. Imagine these guys, imagine, imagine what they asked Jesus. They asked Jesus, Ati, imagine, are you going to restore Israel right now? Imagine that was, they, they had really shallow understanding. And they, they told Jesus, would you restore the kingdom of Israel right now? And Jesus told them, no, Maze, it's not now. Actually, what I want you guys to do is to be my witnesses, starting from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the rest of the, of the earth. And, and just in case Theophilus, you were wondering if Israel is going to rise up politically. No, it's not going to rise up. Eh? The kingdom of God is not a, an earthly kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. And so you don't have to fear about it or anything uh, like that. Theophilus on the other end is like, oh, okay, so they're not perfect, they don't know much. How are they going to represent a holy God? How are they going to be Christ's ambassadors, a holy and a perfect God? Luke is on the other hand, and I said, um, what they will do is that they will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, even though they are imperfect, they are going to be able to represent the King of Kings who is holy and who is just. Theophilus on the other end. So, so this Jesus, atatela kubaki hapa duniani as he supervises the church. Luke is like, no, 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 he's going to heaven. In fact, while they were still talking to him, he was caught up in heaven. And he ascended into heaven. And, uh, and, and Theophilus is like, okay, so will he ever come back? Um, uh, that's the end of Jesus. We'll never hear about him. And Luke is like, no, 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 no. He's going to come back. In fact, angels appeared. As he was ascending, angels appeared and said, ah, this Jesus you have seen ascending into heaven, in the same way, is going to come back. And it's like, okay, I know there's so much you want to know, but see, watch, I will send you the letter and then you'll read about it. Ah, thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Sent. Okay. <laughs> That's just a Kenyan paraphrase uh, of what that conversation would have looked like. But Luke did not have a phone to call Theophilus, so he wrote it this way. And he tried to anticipate and answer the questions that he would have had. Just imagine if you're writing a letter, you would want to answer the questions that the, that the other person would have. So what I will do in the next six minutes, as we end, I will just go through chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. I'll point out a few things, and that will be it. See you on
Yeah, I know you may not be feeling as though you are in a sermon, but somehow God is able to speak, even though we are not shouting and, and, and it's not as, as, as formal, but God is still able to speak to us. So let's read Acts chapter 1, verses 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. Now, we have already talked about the fact that Jesus began to do stuff, and this is all recorded in the Gospel of Luke, just like it's recorded in all other Gospels. But Luke is referring to the specific letter he wrote, the letter that is titled the Gospel of Luke. So, uh, let's move on, verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And just in case any one of us is really wondering if Jesus resurrected from the dead, Luke is trying to address this issue and he's saying he appeared for 40 days. I know as we read the Gospels, this is not really, it doesn't really come out. We, 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 we kind of see him resurrect, he meets a few people, he tells them go and make disciples and he ascends. We are not really told for how long he stayed. But now Luke brings this out and says he was here for 40 days. Now if you read 1 Corinthians 15:6. We are told that he not only met a few people, but he met at some instant 500 people at a go after he had resurrected. First Corinthians 15, 6 says, after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And just look, is like, you need to be sure that he resurrected you. As we start this book, that is a foundation. It is critical for us to know that he resurrected. Acts 1, 4 to 5 says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, uh, uh, my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'd like you guys to note a few, uh, some few things in these two verses. Number one, he gave a command. He did not say, if you want, if you feel like being filled with the Holy Spirit, if it so works with your ideology of Christianity or so, then be filled with the Holy Spirit. He commanded them. When I was I was hoping not to be harsh today. I apparently have been too harsh these days. I was hoping not to be harsh, but it's a command. He commands them, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the same applies to us. The reason why he commands is because none of us can do Christianity without the help of the Holy Spirit. We can't. Remember? Okay, I'm make an example. I'm just a dish. Eh? I'm serving only what God gives. So on my own, I can't hack it. But if I have the Holy Spirit within me, then he can bear all the fruits that I need to have. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. 
He will give me the gifts of the Holy Spirit, of which we will talk about later. I will, I will not talk about them today, but he will help me live the Christian life. He will help me love prayer. He will help me love studying his word. He will help me love being in the presence of God. I can't do that on my own. I can't be a believer in my own strength. The same way I received salvation for free, as in I had nothing to do with it, I didn't earn it, nilipatiwabure, is the same way to continue with salvation my only contribution is my availability and my willingness. The rest is God working through me. Now, we have about two minutes. Um, it is not enough to believe in Jesus. You also need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verses 6 and 7, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority. You know, there are things that we know that God wants to do. And they are his will. This is something that God wants to do. Like the, the, the disciples knew God would restore Israel. They knew that so well without a doubt. It's the same way we know so many things that God will do. But aside from knowing what God will do, it is very significant for us to also know when he wants to do it and how he wants to do it. It is not only enough to know that God will do this thing, it is important for us to also know when he wants to do it and how he wants to do it. A story, and go and read this at home, Daniel chapter 9 verses 1 to 3, I'm not going to read it. Daniel understands that God said that he would, he would take the exiles, the Jewish exiles from captivity back to uh, their homeland. But he also knew when God wanted to do it. We, uh, moving on. First Chronicles 12, 32 says, For the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the, of the tribe uh, with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best cause of action for Israel. A different version would say that they understood the times and the seasons and what Israel should do. It is not enough to know what God wants done. It is significant enough for us to know when God wants to do it. And that we will only know as we spend time with God and as the Holy Spirit works through us. Verses 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he said to them, He was, oh, sorry, and after he said this, um, he was taken up before them, before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Then suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And there's some things that we wish that would not really be the case. I'm assuming that if I, if I was a disciple, I would be like, Jesus, don't go, don't leave us. We have learned how to do life with you for three years. Don't go, don't leave us. It is painful to, to, to just see somebody that you love. Either leave this earth or leave the physical presence, uh, the physical place where you are. 
and you know you are not going to interact with them for a while. Sometimes it is hard. But sometimes what seems hard in our eyes or may not seem as pleasant in our eyes may actually be what God wants done in that season for what he intends that uh, will eventually happen. It could be that God will need to snatch your job from you, but because God wants to achieve something and he wants to receive glory through you, he will do some things in your life. He will remove some people from your life. He will remove you from some situations. He will sometimes allow you to go through a desert or a wilderness as we say it. He will sometimes allow that you have tough seasons or even good seasons. But whatever happens, please remember that he should receive glory in it. In the eyes of the disciples, they did not understand why Jesus really had to go. But the Holy Spirit could not be sent until Jesus goes away. I'm not saying God is going to remove anything from you. I'm just saying that when God removes anything or someone from your life, just say, dear Lord Jesus, as you have told us this morning in this service, that we need to trust you. Even though I can't see, even though I don't understand, I will still trust that you're in charge. I will still trust that in this situation you'll give yourself glory. I will still believe in you. I will still love you. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for this service. It has really been a relaxed service from the worship, Lord, all the way to the service leading and the prayer and even the sermon. Father, we feel that we are in your presence. We feel relaxed. We feel as though we are in our Father's house. And thank you, Father, for this beautiful service that we've had. Dear Lord, we have spoken about many things from the beginning of the service. We have lifted up different prayers. We have worshipped you. We have exalted you. We have reaffirmed our trust in you and, and we, have, we have said that we will trust in you, dear Lord. Father, we have done a simple introduction of the book of Acts. There's so much more to be covered. There's so much truth, Lord. Even if we would go back to Acts 1 from 1 to 11, there's so much that we can get out of it, Lord. But because of the constraints of time, we cannot do that. But Lord, I thank you because Holy Spirit, you are with us. And you're our teacher, and you're our guide, and you can keep speaking to us even as we walk out of this sanctuary. Between Monday and Saturday and even Sunday, Father, as we go to work, as we, as we are with our families, Lord, Holy Spirit, you can still keep speaking to us and ministering to us. And this is my prayer for all of us today. That, Lord, would you keep speaking to us? Keep revealing to us your truth be it from Acts 1 to 11 or from wherever else it is in the Bible that we want to speak to us. Lord, speak to us. Father, in any places that we have taken glory away from you, we ask that, Lord, would you please forgive us, Lord? And that, Lord, as you have reminded us, that we are only the dishes, we are only the vessels. And, Lord, everything else that is done through us is for your glory. But also you have reminded us to be very careful what we do, what we say, how we act, because we are representing you, Lord, and people will learn to love you, and people will learn how to relate with you based on how we conduct ourselves, based on the words we say, based on our speech, based on our attitude, based on... Lord, help us, Lord. It's such a heavy task, Lord, to represent you, Lord. How can we, imperfect people, Lord, represent you, a perfect God? And so, Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit, Lord, help us. Fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit, Lord. 
If there's anyone here, Lord, who is not filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord, fill us right now. Lord, be exalted. For anything we have not prayed for, Lord, there could be somebody here who is sick, Lord. Would you heal them right now? There could be somebody who is discouraged, Father, Lord, would you encourage them? There could be somebody, Lord, who came to service, Lord, and they are waiting, Lord, for a word from you, for a direction on a specific thing that they should do after this. Lord, make it just clear for them right now on what they need to do. We are your children and we are depending on you. For the rest of the week, Lord, would you just go ahead, protect us, cover us, shield us. Help us, Lord, to always be in your presence, Lord, all through the week, all the days of our lives, and have your way in our lives. And this we pray in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May the good Lord bless you.